insurance agents from around the world. Hey, guys, this is Scott Howell with the Insurance Guys podcast. Hey, I've got a question for you guys. How many service calls do you get a day? How about a week? How about a month? More importantly, how many of those calls are revenue generating? If not, why are you still taking those calls? The reality is that clients don't want to call their agent for things like documents, billing, service requests. These are considered non-revenue generating activities that can and should be handled with a client experience platform, CXP. The rule of thumb is, can you rely on your technology to fully accomplish the same thing being asked over the phone? If the answer is yes, give the client that option, please. Now is the time to look into a CXP for your agency, a client experience platform. A CXP is a core system at your agency, just like your AMS, just like your CRM, just like your Raider. Having a client experience platform like Glovebox gives you a leg up on the competition and allows you to focus on sales, which we better all be focusing on because nothing else matters, and high-level service. Get a demo today with one of the glove box gurus and mention the Insurance Guys podcast to get 20% off your new CXP. Trust me when I say it's time to jump on the glove box platform. I know we've done it here in our agency. We love it. We're desperately trying to get all of our clients on the glove box platform, guys. Desperately. We want them on there. We want them to go get their ID cards there. We want to reduce the number of times they call the agency. And, and that frees us up to do more selling. That's all it does. Call today, get a demo, and join Glovebox. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Saraland, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Best I have ever been. Bradley? Scott? 70 degrees today. Expecting two inches of snow or more Saturday afternoon, evening. It's going to be 27 degrees down here this weekend. That's insane. Let, guys, if you don't live in the state of Alabama or in the south, especially in Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, we can have four seasons in one day. Yep, sure can. You'll get up, you'll get up be about 75 outside, wind blowing, thunderstorms and tornadoes will roll in. About two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. Then the temperature starts dropping. By the time you get home at six o'clock, it's 32 degrees and snowing outside. That's yep. where we are right now. You will go to work with a jacket on. And then by the end of the day, you've stripped almost all of your clothes off because you're burning up to death. Bradley, I have an interesting story to tell you today. Okay. About three weeks ago, my wife calls me and she says, I have found the perfect dwarf mini horse. I have to, I must have it. I must have it. I said, baby, you get whatever you want. If you want it, and, and we'll to clarify, we'll you're talking about an actual horse, an actual real horse. Looks like a unicorn. It looks like the baby version of the Denver Broncos mascot horse. And I can't remember what that horse is called. By the way, uh, would it have not been awesome if we would have been doing the one city world tour last week when Russell Wilson was announced as the quarterback anyway continue Sorry. I'm, tell, I'm telling you that would have been awesome or if they would have if he would have flown in and done the announcement in the room next to us yeah. at, in the denver broncos mile high stadium would have been yeah. awesome too so we buy this mini horse and it's a boy and it has not been fixed bradley that horse is trying to fornicate with everybody at my house including <laughs> me right now it is ready at all times it's, it's like about an 18-year-old boy at Panama City Beach, Florida on a summer afternoon. It is ready to go. We, we are separating horses now to keep him from, you know, doing something he's not supposed to be doing. It's just turned into a lot. 
Let me just say that a lot. So what's the solution? Fixing. Okay. Or get rid of the other male horse that we have, because when you put them in the same one acre, acre and a half, you know, pen, you don't have to have as much room for many horses as you do big horses. As soon as you put them together, they start fighting and it's just been a lot. So that's, that's what I'm dealing with at the house right now. I've, I've got a testosterone filled unfixed stud horse that is on go at any moment to try to fornicate with everybody at my house if they come within five feet of him. So guys, I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's what I'm dealing with right now. Hey guys, quick disclaimer before you really get into this episode. Um, Scott and I wanted to do this uh, because we talked to so many cool people at state associations and, you know, we're always looking for ways to provide value. And what we did in this episode is we threw a couple of ideas that are sort of not talked about, but are huge problems for the independent channel, in my opinion. And so what we did is we essentially threw these up against the wall to see what would stick. And we actually sent this episode prior to launch to someone that I am uh, super keen with at a state association and just to get his opinion on if, if any of these ideas are, are valid and doable. And the first point here, which is actually the biggest point that I make, is actually not, it's not possible for a state association to help with that, uh, with this particular problem. And I want you to listen to it because it's an important issue that's coming up in our space. Um, it's actually not possible for a state association to help with that because of FTC regulations, which is actually, it's kind of a big deal. Um, but I want to say this, so, so I say that to say, don't, don't go bug the crap out of your state associations for this because it can't be done. But I also wanted to say that you know, you as individual agents can certainly voice your personal displeasure over this situation. It's just the collective coordinated action by an association that is, uh, that is prohibited by the FTC. So you're probably wondering, what the heck is Bradley talking about? So we'll get into the rest of the episode. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Bradley, we got a lot to talk about today. And as I always like to say, rewards come from action, not discussion. You and I have had some... Uh, some very lengthy conversations about some things lately that I think we both need to get off our chest today. And we have a lot to go over with all these agents that listen to this podcast today as well. So for starters, I wanted to talk a little bit, if you'll let me today, about some things that you and I both feel like industry associations can help us as agents out with. And I know this is something you're very passionate about. So I guess for starters, let's go back in time a couple of weeks ago, and we won't mention any carrier names, but suffice to say that you brought this up in a Facebook messenger group with me about two weeks ago, and I've had some time to really chew on it and think about it. And I think you're right. I think that we as agents need to lean on these associations like the Big Eye and the PIA to assist the agents, independent agents out there with not only writing good business, but make sure that if this was a bowling alley where we've got these bumpers set up so that the bowling ball doesn't go in the gutter kind of thing with, with some of these carriers that are appointing captive agents. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting and it's why it's so important that Scott and I, we are insurance agents, just like you guys. We're independent insurance agents, just like you guys. And we have been captive agents in the past, just like many of you listening to this. And, and when you do a podcast like this, that a lot of people listen to and look for advice and that sort of thing, and you're in it every single day, not only does that help from a validity standpoint of the things that we are talking about on the show, but it's the in-between conversations, not just between me and Scott. It may be me and Scott and some friends or me and, and someone else. Um, and it makes for really, really good fodder for the podcast. You know, we've had a, a really interesting two weeks, Scott and I have had of just really in-depth conversations and things that have came up. And, and so, you know, like, like the subject of associations come up and I would just like to say, like, you know, I'm a member of two associations. I'm on the national board for the AIM Society, uh, and I'm a member of the Big Eye here in Alabama. And I have, there's not a PIA in Alabama, the PIA of Louisiana. I think Alabama's in their territory, but it's still mostly Louisiana. And then Scott and I travel around along with all of our friends and Hanley and Carruthers and Mick Hunt and those guys. And we 
go to these state associations. And, and I've never been to one that wasn't awesome with great people. Right. And, you know, just like everyone else during COVID, everyone's business has been disrupted to some degree. And Scott and I would often have, and I, or I would, I, I don't know about you, Scott, but I often have these conversations with people at these associations, whether it be employees of the associations, presidents of associations, or just people on the board who are just everyday agents like me and Scott. And they always ask like, hey, how can we improve things for our membership? How can we make ourselves more relevant? Because you got now you got podcasts, you got Facebook groups, you have paid masterminds, you have big conferences, you have outside industry events, you have carriers doing stuff, you have all this noise out there. How do we continue to be the resource to where it's a no brainer? And so, you know, kind of for me, when someone asks me a question like that, and it's somewhat associated with something I care deeply about, which are associations, like there's a huge place in this industry for associations. I think they will always be there. The, the political side of things that they handle for us, I think agents sometimes don't even know or appreciate some of the things they do. So I, I deeply think that it's a problem that needs to be, a, not a problem, but something that needs the agents need to be thinking about. And especially folks like me and Scott have a platform. And by the way, no one asked us to do this podcast. So I've, I've been constantly thinking like, okay, if I'm an association, what are some problems that need to be solved in this industry that that these associations could maybe not solve completely, but at least push the envelope a little bit. And, you know, one of the things that came up uh, now, I know I'm just talking in front of you, Scott, but uh, I apologize. One, one of the things that came up is, you know, we have in the part of the country that I am in, the part of the state that I'm in, South Alabama, there is a an issue here where the independent carriers will appoint captive insurance agents to write their products. Now, and I don't like captive agents. I'm not attacking you. It's I'm married to one. I used to be one. It's fine. Like I'm not I'm not saying that captives are bad or not as good of an age or anything like that. But what happens is, is it almost, it affects the competitiveness of independent agents. Because if, if somebody goes to me and they go to a farmer's agent, you know, in terms of the product in South Alabama, there's not a difference in the carrier. I mean, it's the same carriers, you know, and then, you know, from the carrier standpoint, and, and I can say this unequivocally, because when I was a captive agent, we did this. So just to get that out there, it's not the, the, I'm not being a hypocrite here. You know, we would put all our good business with our captive carrier and we put all the crap with the independent carriers. Right. And what happens is that leads to higher loss ratios on the independent carriers, worse retention, worse customer experience. And then it ends up ruining everything for all the independent agents who the product is designed for, who are actually going to put, you know, I had a, I had a rep with all in my office one day. She said, we are firmly committed to the independent channel because it's higher, it's higher retention, lower loss ratios. Because if something doesn't fit with Allstate, you're not going to try to squeeze it in the box with Allstate. You're going to put it with a carrier that belongs and you're only going to put the good stuff with Allstate. So, so that's the other problem. And there's two or three carriers that are here in Alabama that I attribute farmers insurance agents here who have appointments with those carriers to actually ruining the product for everybody else because they put all the crap with these carriers and then the carrier ends up having super high loss ratio. It comes storms, nothing's written right. Everybody's got, you know, coverage is way off and that sort of thing. So there's a carrier who I'm not going to name that that's down here in South Alabama that is all about the independent agent, that sort of thing that's now appointing farmers agents. So it's something that's been fresh on my mind. And I thought, well, this isn't something I'm going to talk about if it's not a problem everywhere else. Okay. Mm. And again, I apologize, Scott, for taking all your time here, but I got to get all this off my chest. If this is only a South Alabama problem, I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to deal with it. And we do just fine, right? It's, it's more of getting back to a principle kind of thing, right? So I did a poll. I did two polls, actually. I don't know if you know this, Scott. I did two polls. I did one in Insurance Suit, which has 40,000 insurance agents all across the board. And I specifically asked only independent agents to vote the poll. And I think generally it was. And then I did one poll in IEOA, uh, which for those of you that don't know, is a, is a group of, of only independent agency owners, and they're pretty heavily vetted, uh, as is Insurance Soup. So I'm going to find the poll, and I apologize for not actually. Okay, so in Insurance Soup, so I basically asked, I said, I explained the problem, and I said, how many of you guys deal with this? And in Insurance Soup, 
73% of independent agents said that in their particular market, non-independent agents have access to their product. Mm-hmm. And in IAOA, there were 70%. So based on those two really small sample sizes, the fact that they're so consistent tells me this is a problem. And I had people put where they were and it was all over the place. So if I'm a, if you're a state association leader listening to this, I think this would be a really good problem to tackle. Now, can you make a carrier do something? Probably not, but the purpose of an association is to advocate for insurance agents, independent insurance agents, the members of the association. I think you guys listening to this could throw your weight around a little bit, whether it be from a political side or from a hell, it could be just, Hey, because you appoint non-independent agents, we are not letting you have a booth at our conference this year. Right. Right. Uh, Again, I'm not attacking the associations. I think this could be a huge, like if I'm an agent down here and I know that these guys and gals at these associations are fighting for me in this regard, I'm definitely paying my dues and I'm definitely becoming a member because I, you know what I mean? I think that's a huge, huge, huge problem that associations could definitely, again, you can't solve the problem hundred percent, but you could at least make your voice heard just how we are right now and being, Hey, such and such carrier you know, I know you want to come into our state or I know you're getting ready to. I, I, I imagine that when a new independent carrier comes into a state, there's some sort of communication there with an association. And I may be completely wrong on that, but we, we, Scott, and I know some of these guys and gals, some of these carriers, especially newer carriers. And it would shock me if some of them aren't reaching out to the associations. You know, hey, look, it would really behoove you in this state for you to be, you know, for us to really promote you to our agents or to really advocate for your agents if you would only appoint independent agents. You know what I mean? Right. All right. I'm, I'm, that's my soapbox. And I have a few more ideas too that I've thought about on this, but Scott, I'll let you take the reins here. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think, you know, I have a captive agent that is one of our insurance agents in my office now, and he is knocking the bottom out of it, by the way. And for six years, he was with a captive. And I'm not going to say who the captive was because although this is not hearsay, it's not something that I want to be getting a letter or a phone call from, from a captive carrier saying that, <laughs> that from there to you this year, <laughs> exactly. That happens to me on a weekly basis, but I don't want to have to, you know, them try to tell their side of the story and rationalize and justify. But I do know from his mouth to my ears that the captive who did not have raid in the state of Alabama was in my opinion, allowing their agency force to get appointed with other carriers outside the contract, violation of the contract, and turning a blind eye to that because they knew if they didn't, these people were going to starve to death. Yeah, and I don't blame the agents. Oh, I don't. Me either. You got you to gotta make a living. And if it's between going and getting another job or doing something, you know, another career or, or leaving versus getting appointed with, you know, whether it's directly with a carrier or through a broker in order to, to, to be able to make a living, then, then you've got to go do that. And again, this is not bitchy and complaining. Like all these agents could set up next door to me and I don't care. Like we are, we are so in our own world right now that it doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm coming to this from an angle of what are some problems that insurance agents have that could be solved? This is one that, that's come to mind. You know what I mean? Another one, and this is a little bit more outside of the box, but so I was on uh, Ryan Hanley's show a couple months ago and, and I, we were talking about exiting and selling your agency, all that kind of stuff. And I said, you know, what's funny is these agents that their entire career their only value add, their only reason for doing business with me, the only reason of only reason of why you should do business with Brown Star Insurance is because we are local. We are local. We are in your backyard. We are you. We are in the community. We buy you know signs at the baseball fields, and then they go sell to Hub, right? Or they go sell to you know Brown and Brown or a big or a yeah. big what do they call it Alphabet you know, agency. And there's nothing wrong with selling to those. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I just, I was simply pointing out the irony of that. Right. And it, and it, I was kind of thinking about this and a a friend of mine who I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he wants me to say his name. That is 
a part of associations tweeted recently. And he said uh, a, an agency owner that was a member of their association and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing an agency owner that was a member of their association reached out to him and told him that he had sold his agency. And I think it was to hub and told him what multiple he got and that sort of thing. And again, I don't demonize anybody for doing that. I think it's great. Hell, I might sell to a, a big conglomerate in 20 years, but I'm also not sitting here talking about how great it is that we're local. You know what I mean? So, and, and, and the guy said, man, I was really pumped for this agent, but at the same time, I was a little bit sad because that's another good, solid, independent agent that was basically taken off the street. Sure. Now they're a part of, they're just a big cog in this wheel. And, and it made me think about it from an association standpoint. You know, if I'm an association president or leader or on the board, I'm thinking about ways, hey, what are some ways? And again, this is just me thinking out loud. I don't have any ideas. What are some ways, and, and there may be some associations doing this, what are some ways that we can incentivize these agency owners that are getting ready to sell, to sell their agency to another member of the association? It may Yeah, be- yeah. You, you announce that you're ready to sell and then let the state association send out a email to all the agency, independent agencies within a 60 mile radius of that agency and create almost a, uh, auction type yeah. atmosphere where everybody, you know, that wants to take a look at it can take a look at it. That's one idea. I don't, you know, I think the problem with doing it that way is, is being, uh, does that agency owner want their business out there? Because at the same time, all the members of this association are their competition. So there's a little right. bit of that going on, you know, but maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's, Hey, and, and, and again, this may happen. I don't know. I mean, Scott, you know, Bill Seeger, my yeah. first conversation with Bill Seeger, who, who used to be the president of the Big Eye of Alabama, was, hey, do you know anybody for sale, right? And he, he didn't know anybody for sale, but I sensed that if he did, he would know. But it was just hearsay. It wasn't that they were coming to him and saying, I'm ready to sell. But we need to, and the problem with doing that is you have to, there has to be some sort of incentive. So maybe it's, Maybe that it's that some of these associations form alliances with some of these companies like Westfield Bank and Bank or Live Oak Bank that do financing for insurance agencies and do some sort of deal where the association members get a better interest rate, which allows them to pay more. Maybe that's the incentive, but right. just, just having it in your head of what can we do? Think about what can we do as an association to incentivize or encourage agents to sell their agency to maybe it's free dues for a year for, or maybe it's maybe something to that effect, right? That's another, I think, big problem that I think some of these guys and gals can solve. And hey, they may reach out to me and be like, hey, we're already doing this or we already tried this and it didn't work. You know what I mean? Um, and by the way, this doesn't apply to associations. This applies to mastermind groups. This applies to Facebook groups. It, you know, it, it can apply to anyone. And again, we're not, again, I want to reiterate, we're not sitting here chastising these associations. We're, we're coming to this from a place of love that like, oh, yeah. Hey, we love, I love these associations. I really do. Like I love uh, reaching out to them and, and helping them. I love talking to the people in the association, uh, whether it be Alabama or our good friends at Tennessee or West Virginia. So anyway, I don't, I don't know how, what you feel about that, Scott, but that's a, that was another idea that I got that I was like, man, that's a big problem that really nobody's talking about is, you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, the work and I've said this on the podcast before the worst thing about making a big sale about closing a big client. The worst thing about closing a big client is you just lost your best prospect. Right. And prospecting is the hardest part of sales. Mm-hmm. It's not selling it's prospecting. So what you have to do when you sell your biggest client, sell your biggest prospect, you then have to go find another prospect to fill their shoes. Like when I was selling life insurance, I tricked my brain. You know that feeling you get, that dopamine hit you get when you sell a big policy? I tricked my brain when I was selling life insurance that I actually was more excited and got that dopamine hit when I filled my pipeline with someone else than when I actually sold something. Selling to me at that point was just part of servicing the process, not in the, in the cell was filling my pipeline, but it's almost like that. It's right. Yay. You just exited, but that's one more 
good agent that's that's off the street that's being absorbed right. into a big company and and I don't care what they say they always tell you nothing's going to change and then everything changes usually about the time the earnouts over with and again I'm not I'm not demonizing anybody for selling Scott and I have very good friends who've sold their agency recently like it I'm not I'm not talking about that it's just it is an issue well and you may have the attitude Scott of hey when I sell I don't give a damn you know it may be that so there's a ditch on both sides of this road right you spend your whole career, 30, 40 year career with an agency in a local town, being part of the community. And, you know, it starts kind of getting towards the, what I call the fourth quarter, right? And these large firms have literally teams of people reaching out to agencies across America to see if they want to sell their agency. Uh, I was listening to Ryan Hanley's podcast the other day. Shout out to Ryan Hanley. I Offering love really high multiples that you're never, you're only going to get in the best case scenario and you have to stay on three years. Well, I've been listening to Ryan's podcast last week and he said that through the data that he was looking at that last year we had close to, if not over 1000 mergers and acquisitions, which I truly believe that. And he said, might even be more than that this year in the yeah. insurance industry. So here's the, here's where you run into a ditch on both sides of that road. You've got these large agencies and private equity money that are that are reaching out to these agents and they like you said just a second ago offering these unbelievable amounts of money for this agency and you're, you know, 68, 69, maybe you just got diagnosed with some rare form of cancer or or maybe it's just you're just burned out and ready to go. And maybe you weren't even thinking about selling your agency till they reached out to you and said, and, and you know, this as well as I do. I mean, we have friends who have been reached out to some of these people and their, and their whole thing is let's just go to breakfast and talk. <laughs> right. Right. Let's just go grab a coffee. Okay. Well, coffee doesn't hurt. Nobody gets hurt by coffee. And then they sit down with you. And they lay out what they're willing to offer. And you go back to the office and you're sitting there in front of your desk at your desk. And you're thinking, my God, I don't know that I can turn this down. Mm -hmm. that, I think that happens more That's than we think it does. That happens. I have, I know, uh, Doug, Jones, Doug Jones with Jag insurance told me, he was like, you know, we always go to the dinner and, and let them, let them buy our food, but that's how you accidentally get sold. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm <laughs> saying. That's, like, how, that's how like, it happens. This looks pretty good. You know, but... What, what does breakfast hurt? I'm going to eat some eggs. I'm going to eat some bacon. I'm not yeah. going to accept, you know, there's no way I would ever accept anything they're offering. And then they make the offer or they, they show you on paper what it would look like. <laughs> and, and you're you like, go, shit. <laughs> uh, let me think about this. <laughs> it's it's almost you're, it's, you're already in knee deep water when you accept the dinner or breakfast, right? Because you're, you, you, what you don't know is what's about to come down the pike on you. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, now, it's now, like and, now you, and now you have this thing where you're like, well, do I sell this to Bradley Flowers down the street or 30 miles away, local agent in Mobile? Who's going to pay me what, Bradley? Half, two and a half, three two and a half, and they're, they're paying me four. Yeah, exactly. It's tough. It's a tough call, and it's it is. You know, but what can associations do to help with this? I, I have sure. no freaking idea. No freaking idea. But we can at least swing the bat. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell you what I think association. I'm going to tell you what I think associations could really help me with, and you and everybody else listening to this podcast right now. So I've been alive for 50 years. I've been on this big spinning rock that we call earth. And I can count on one hand, if not two hands, the number of independent agent commercials I've ever seen on television. But to this day, I say that we have a very unique value proposition. Mm -hmm. And the message is choices are a good thing. Choices are a good thing. And I'm not saying that they need to spend a billion dollars a year or a billion and a half dollars, whatever Geico, Allstate, State Farm, you know, the big players are spending. But boy, would it be nice on a Saturday afternoon college football game to have a jam up commercial starring Scott Howell, who was there. What was it, April 27, 2011, 27. Who, who was standing there when it all went down, when all the tornadoes hit the state of Alabama and talk about choices are a good thing now more than ever you need an independent agent because 
all these carriers are stripping away a lot of things on their policies and, and you need an independent agent, a professional position us as a doctor and a lawyer choices are a good thing. My God, I would, if, if we could start doing something like that to combat, to go up against what we go up against from a media and social media standpoint, I would feel a whole lot better about paying my dues every year, knowing that, that we've got, you know, we're pumping that stuff out to everybody. So they know the truth. So they know the truth. Yeah. I don't, because, I don't know that because TV's the TV's the medium, but, but I, I get what you're uh, saying. That's fine. Let it yeah. be social media. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. That, hell that shit's free. That's right. free. But I do think that there's a lot of white space there for sure that associations could help us with from a mark. And I'm not talking about, Hey, come on our site and you can run these ads. Let get leads. For, yeah. 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 Right. No, you're absolutely right. I think you're, you're absolutely right. A little bit more education when it comes to the public around yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. 100%, 100%. There's a lot of white space out there. I don't think that most people who have been brainwashed over the last 20 years understand that the, their best option, in my opinion, to get the, the best rate on insurance with a professional insurance agent is through the independent agency channel. You know, I, I saw a post the other day on a on a Facebook message that, you know, how sometimes an, a consumer will say something like, I have XYZ insurance and it went up and I'm looking, who would you guys go with for insurance? And when that happens, there's like a hundred different comments on Facebook. Yeah, it, it gets bloodthirsty. It gets bloodthirsty. Yes. Yeah. It, when that happens, and I'm just talking about Joe Public out there yeah. just on their personal Facebook page that's from Arab Alabama says, Hey, my alpha insurance went up and I'm looking for insurance. There will be a hundred comments from people ranging from just go get it online with progressive, just go get it online with Geico or call this person. They're the best. You know, mm -hmm. you, you've, you've seen those before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I try to avoid those threads altogether and I have friends that'll post, Hey, Da, 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 what about insurance? And I'll text them and be like, so, so you're so about Bradley, to regret doing Bradley, that. Your inbox is going to blow up. Well, what I've done is I've leaned into it. So when I see one of those posts now, I post like a 15 paragraph a professional summation of every carrier and what their strengths and weaknesses are mm. and where it, I, I basically am leaning into it and doing it in a way that's so logical and so professional that Regardless, and I and I talk about all of them: State Farm, yeah. Alpha, Allstate, Progressive, all of them. And I do it in a way that when somebody reads that, they're like, "I don't know if I want to get my insurance from that guy or not," but he sure does know his shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of our strategies that we that we use at Portal, and I've used even before I was uh, on Portal, was uh, is is we would tell our customer things about our competition, like if they come to us and they have a certain carrier. I would let's say they have farmers. I'd say, yeah, farmers doesn't do wind in, in Alabama and in South Alabama. So I bet you have da, da da company for your wind company. They probably did da, da, da. And the customer's like, dang, that's exactly right. How'd you know that? Yeah, exactly. And so it, it, it makes us look yeah. a little bit more knowledgeable. You're, you know you're I mean? gain, you're gaining altitude, but we're also, I'm also kind of dissing the carrier too, by saying that to it, to a degree, you know, but anyway, yeah, back to your point about choices and all that, all that sort of thing. So uh, back to Ryan Hanley, I've heard, and I agree with this 100%, uh, Ryan has said in the past, buying insurance from an independent agent is the most inconvenient way to buy insurance, broad stroke. I would agree with that. Um, there are so, and, and again, I'm not talking bad about you guys, but there's so many independent agents that are just inefficient with their processes, especially around new business. I'll give you an example, show my cards. And I'm not saying I'm the most I'm the most efficient. There definitely are people that have gotten inefficient experiences when reaching out to Portal for a quote. But if you look at our five star reviews, I think we do a pretty good job of that, a pretty good job of efficiency compared to our competition. And so anyway, I secret shopped a competitor recently. I do that from time to time. I love that. But uh, and I don't and I don't waste everybody listening to this should be doing that. Yeah, and I don't waste their time. You know what I mean? It's uh, it, mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't do it from a malicious standpoint. I'm trying to pick things up that make me better. And uh, this particular case, we asked them to quote a specific carrier for us. This specific carrier 
you can do a quote in about 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, and we have several of those. So if you're trying to figure out who it is, you're not going to be able to figure out who it is. It was, I'm moving to the area. I'm buying this house. It's a second home and I'm paying cash. That's a good customer. It is. Uh, the guy on the other end of the line said, okay, we'll get this back to you in about two, two days. So if I'm an agent who's going to do Facebook ads or TV ads, like what you talked about with choices, and I'm not disagreeing with you by saying this, I don't think customers give a damn about choices until they know what choices can do for them. Well, then let's and, talk and, about that. And even then, I think it's more educational about here's what it means when you go to an independent agent, we're going to be able to mold this policy based on the number of choices we have to fit your risk. Right. You're not going to be squeezed into a box that you do not belong in, right? So I think from a state association standpoint, let's figure out ways to educate agents on ways they can be more efficient to then make the insurance buying process easier which makes that TV or Facebook ad hit, you know, the whole, you know, I own a, a marketing agency, the whole, and I have friends that do it. The big stigma on the, on, in the advertising agency world is that no matter how good of an ad you can put together, if the person has crappy sales processes, they're not going to sell anything. And it's going to be your fault. That's why so many marketers do courses and teach you how to do things rather than just do them for you, which they could make a higher, a higher margin on. But they know that if there's crappy sales processes, you're not going to close anything anyway, and it's going to be the ad's fault. So I think people have run TV commercials, Facebook ads, you know, content, blogs, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, that didn't work. Well, you had 15 people call in and you told 10 of them that you'd get back to them in two days, Ricky. Right. So I think education around how to become more efficient would be the way to go. But here's the thing, Mr. and Ms. Association. You cannot go the way we've always done it. The best practices manual, even though it's great for a lot of stuff, it's not going to be the way to go. It's not going to be the company that comes in and pays you the most money to sponsor the webinar so they can pitch their services to. It's not going to be that. It's going to be reaching out to agents from across the country who you know are super efficient, who are actual agents running a successful agency, not people pretending to do it. Right. And it's going to be, hey, what are you doing to be efficient? Will you come in and teach my people or will you teach me and let me teach my people? That's what it's yeah. going to be. So I'm off my soapbox. I don't know that I agree with Ryan Hanley about that either. Well, I'll tell you why. So if we took a stopwatch and I totally agree with what you said earlier about the person that called to get a secondary home quote and they said it would take two days. Well, that's on the agency. No question. But I think that happens. I, th I think when you're thinking about it right now, Scott, you're thinking about all the people that we know. You're right. not thinking about every agent. And I've, I've mystery shopped a lot of agencies here and, and abroad. And, and that's the case a lot. Uh, I do think yeah, if you compare to a it, captive agency, you call a captive agency, you're going to get a quote in 10 minutes at the max. And, and they're going to do it while you're on the phone because they have one carrier correct. quote. And correct. there's no double entry, which gets back to my other thing. That's like the biggest threat to independent agencies is double entry. Right. Is the fact that I have to enter this thing 15 times. And there's no rater out there, in my opinion, on the personal line side that's up to par to help with that. Well, you you could do a dope chart. You yeah. could do a dope chart. And and on at the bottom of the chart, you could put, you know, take a stopwatch. If if a person calls and all they're looking for is maybe they live in an apartment and they've got one automobile and they live in an apartment and they need twenty five thousand dollars of renter's insurance and a hundred thousand in liability, they need to have that either quoted on the phone while they're on the phone, or they need to have a quote in their email or text message in about Fast. ten minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now and again, if you own a trucking company with one hundred and fifty trucks. And you're right. looking to switch insurance carriers and, and another agency, that shit ain't happening. That's two days. That's two days off. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to setting expectations too. Correct. And, and while That's that correct. guy that I spoke to was trying to set expectations to me, it shouldn't be that. You should have a, you should, you should sit down and audit all the lines of business that you write and all the kinds of customers. You know, my agency, we specialize in trucking and habitational. Those quotes take a few days, sometimes a week, especially in this market. We set that expectation. But we are significantly more efficient in that regard than other agencies in this area that do that. Personal lines, we're going to turn it around within an yeah. hour or two at the most. And I, and I think an hour or two is too long. Probably. You know so. what I mean? And there are situations where we had a client call yesterday. 
young lady that, that works in my office sent me a message and she's like, Hey, I just got off phone with this client and uh, there was something in the call that I missed that he said, would you mind sending me the recording? So I went to Lightspeed and uh, she was on the phone with him for 43 minutes. And I said, geez, 43 minutes. And she said, yeah, it was a uh, personal lines account with six cars, four houses, two boats, umbrella. I was like, okay, yeah. And so that's something that like, we're going to have, we're going to put this whole package together and it may be tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? The situation depends, but, and by the way, don't get offended when I say about the whole inconvenient thing, like, like it's when you do podcasts and things like this, you have to take a stance on something. And sometimes that involves speaking in extremes. You know what well, I mean? I, th- I think these um, agents, I think these agents need to monitor yeah. their, their agency force and, and put a stopwatch to it and find yeah. out like, okay, how long, if I've got five agents in my office and let's say three of them are personal lines, two of them are, are commercial. Well, we, we probably need to know about how long it's taking people to get quotes back. Because like you said earlier, if it's a simple home and auto quote and it's taking them a day to get that back to them, that's a big freaking problem. Yeah. Big problem. Yeah. I think you should, I think you should mystery shop your own agency. Correct. I think you should get friends to call your agency and mystery shop. See how, see how long it takes. And And, and you could, you could even tell them, say, Hey, look, I don't care if you go to take, take your business out with us or not. That's not what this is about. You're a buddy. You're a buddy of mine. That'd be a really good ninja prospecting. Like, Hey, would you call my agency and get a quote? Just see on my team. Like, oh, by the way, we saved you 800 bucks. Yeah, exactly. I've done it. I've it's done like it. like the whole, I, like the new agent. That's like, Hey, I'm practicing. Let me practice quoting on you. Correct. Oh, by the way, look how good this is. Yeah. Right. That this is a beautiful segue into my next and final topic of the day, Bradley. Yeah. Embedded insurance. Mm, So guys, I want to get on my soapbox for just a minute. So a year ago, Bradley and I spoke and David Carruthers spoke at the uh, Young Agents of Tennessee conference. And I got gasps from the crowd when I told them this story. A year ago, I took my 2009 Harley Davidson Dynaglide into the shop to get serviced. All I was doing, getting it serviced. And this goes back to agency owners going to lunch, breakfast, or coffee and not Swearing to God, they're not going to sell their agency, right? Mm-hmm. I take my Dynaglide in. They call me. I need about $1,500 worth of work done to it. A day later, one of the salespeople calls and says, hey, Scott, it's going to cost you $1,500 to get all this work done on your motorcycle. What if I paid the $1,500 and then offered you a ridiculous sum of money for this motorcycle? Would you take it? And I said, well, how much are you offering? And he told me, and I said, oh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. So I go in to sign the, uh, the documents to change ownership over to give basically to, to trade, trade it in, sell it, whatever you want to call it, to the Harley-Davidson dealership in Huntsville. I'm sitting there with a girl that's doing the paperwork, and I said, hey, by the way, I'm an insurance agent. Y'all got an insurance agent, you know, that's helping you guys with insurance on all these motorcycles and, and uh, ATVs and stuff? And she said, Oh yeah, we don't do that anymore. The owners of Harley Davidson here, Rocket City Harley Davidson, got their insurance licenses, and now instead of outsourcing that to an insurance agent, we try to sell at the point of sale insurance to everybody that buys a Harley Davidson here. Now that got gasps from the crowd in Tennessee because they were like, "Oh my God!" Then two weeks later. My buddy, Tim Simmons, one of the top Toyota salesmen in the, in the nation finds me a Toyota Sienna brand new 2021 minivan. And I'd say, well, Tim, I'd love to buy it from you, but there's no way you're going to pay me enough on the payoff on this truck. Bradley, they offer me a ridiculous sum of money for my truck, a a sum of money. I could not turn down for that truck, Mm -hmm. 160,000 miles on it. I remember you telling me that I was flabbergasted. I leave, I go in there. Tim's thing is just what I tell these insurance agents, make it easy on people to buy. I go in, yep. I test drive it for 15 minutes. He's already got the paperwork ready. I sign, hand him a check for $5,000 for a down payment and I leave. That's it. That's all that happened. It probably took me 30 minutes to buy a car mm-hmm. vehicle. I get in the Sienna to drive home. I start getting, of course, you know, with the new vehicles, you have to download all the apps, the Toyota app and all this. They start bombing me the way that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor with taking out insurance with Toyota Management's insurance agency based out of California. Google it if you don't believe me. 
for 30 days, text messages, emails. We can save you money. We already know how you're driving, blah, 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 blah. Now it's come out that Nationwide is working directly with Ford on doing some type of point of sale purchase of insurance. And, and I know for a fact that GMC through OnStar is working desperately to come out with some type of embedded insurance on the GMC products. Tesla is offering, correct me if I'm wrong, Bradley, aren't they offering insurance embedded with your payment? This is true embedded insurance now, guys. When you purchase a Tesla, the payment includes insurance. Is that right? Correct. I think, but they're offering, they're offering insurance. And that's the way all of these are going. And I'll tell you so, what, well, I have a theory on what Tesla's doing, but continue. So the rub, the rub right now today, and the part of this equation they have not quite figured out is all of these vehicle manufacturers are wanting in the insurance game as another stream of revenue, but they haven't quite figured out how to get the dealerships and the salespeople on board. Because as Tim Simmons said, he said, well, hell, we don't make any money off of it. I don't even bring it up to people. Yeah. But as soon as they figure that part of this out, where basically the salespeople at the dealerships and the, and the dealership owner have some skin in the game, then you're going to have salespeople leaning on uh, their customers after the sale that, hey, you know, got the best rate in the world on insurance through this Toyota agency management stuff. That's going to fragment the personal lines market even more than it's becoming fragmented today. Agree or disagree? Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that I don't, I don't really think they're doing it for the revenue, although that is definitely a plus. And you look at like Keller Williams launched Keller covered pretty much every major real estate organization or real estate company or mortgage company is at least exploring having an insurance arm, if not full-fledged doing it. The reason all of these companies are doing this is to control the process, because I guarantee you every single car dealer or, or car salesman at that dealership at some point or another has lost a deal due to insurance. And I guarantee a large percentage of them have lost a deal due to maybe somebody not being able to get their insurance. Because, you know, so depending on the financing, sometimes the dealership requires the insurance to be on the car before they drive off the lot. Sometimes they let them drive off the lot. Just depends, right? I remember Allstate a few years ago was doing a version of this where they were basically putting an agent in the dealership. Correct. Problem with that is when you do it with one carrier, things get super segmented. It's like yeah. Amazon doing this whole next thing. Like that's going to be semi uh, successful, but when you just have one carrier and you have these huge disparity in types of clients and products and businesses, it gets real weird where I think things get scary is when they start a digital insurance agency, digital independent insurance agency, right? where they have multiple carriers. And well, that's, every that's basically Toyota management. That's what they've agency. done. Yeah. But well, yeah. you and I looked into it and it's, it's an insurance agency, like independent yeah. insurance agency. That's what it is. Um, and I don't begrudge them for doing it because insurance like as agents, sometimes I feel like we get kind of, we get so excited about our product and so excited about selling our product that we forget that the customer doesn't have that same level of excitement. And really, you know, we're just the thing that gets you to the thing. We're all excited when the customer comes to us and buys the home insurance, but to the customer, that's just another step that gets them to the thing that they actually want, which is right. buying the house or buying the business, right? And yes, no, they're not buying the drill. They just want to get, make a hole. Correct. Correct. And yes, with this, um, with this embedded insurance play, um, there's going to be retention issues. Correct. That's can't exactly, not have retention I, I, issues. Let me stop you right there. That's what I was about to say. But the issue with embedded insurance is I firmly believe that it's not going to be sticky because there's no relationship. There's no relationship until it is. Until, until they can make it so easy to buy and then have the service side of things, you know, Correct. picked out. I mean, if you look at Lemonade and um, Hippo and some of these direct consumer carriers, they have the worst retention rate of any any carrier in 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 the industry, right? Um, so, but that's that's eventually going to be figured out. And right. so, I think, and I and I made this point in Denver. I think embedded embedded insurance is a huge threat 
to the independent agency system, just to the agency system, captive and independent, because the problem is, is that deal is sold when it's embedded in the process, that deal is sold before it ever makes it to the agent's desk. And regardless of what anybody wants to say about retention, it significantly lowers the chance that you can write that customer if the insurance is already sold. Let me get the other side. I also think it's the biggest opportunity for agents because just like Toyota went and created this agency, what if you happen to be friends with and you did what you were supposed to do and you network with the right people and built relationships? What if you happen to have a friend who had a friend who was the guy that created the Toyota insurance agency and you were involved in that process. I think there's an opportunity for agents here because you have car dealers and real estate people and e-commerce platforms that are trying to do insurance arms, but they have no idea how to do the service piece. Well, you have years and years and years of experience with retention. You have, you know, portal has a 98% retention. We can handle the retention side of things. Why don't you bring us in and let us be the retention side? Let us actually be the insurance arm. We can brand it a Toyota insurance agency, but let's pair that together. I think ultimately the people that are going to win with embedded insurance are the people that bring in agents who are savvy enough and, and selflessness enough to say, hey, let's, I would rather have 50% of, of a bunch of business than 100% of not a bunch of business and pair those two together. That's where I really think that, that it wins. I, I really do. That's my 30,000 foot, eight minute rant on embedded insurance. It's coming like a freight train. It's not going to go away. It's not going to go no. away. Uh, and, and I think worst case scenario, maybe we, let's say nobody, they, nobody brings agents in. No, like, like we don't do that. Maybe us agents have to figure out a way. Okay. Let's figure out who all has an embedded product and let's go after those people and pick them up the second year. You know what I mean? And I don't think it has to be done in a digital sense, Scott. You know, I'm working on, I'll go and tell you guys, like I'm working on an embedded project right now with a company, with a tech company that involves an API deal. So our product is actually embedded in the app. It's seamless. They don't talk to anybody until after the fact. Um, I don't think it actually has, because you may be asking like, well, Bradley, how do I do this? I don't know anything about APIs. I don't know how to develop. I'm not a developer. You don't have to do it that way. It can just be, hey, maybe there's a form on, on in their process that the info is passed over to me like a referral and we work it out. You know what I mean? Maybe it's something like that. So would you would you go as far as to say that some agencies need to seriously consider partnering with their local large vehicle dealerships and having an, a small office in that dealership, a la what Allstate did and is probably, I know for a fact, doing in some locations around here? Yes and no. I mean, yes, I do think you need to look at doing some maybe joint venture deals and do it because, legally. because if you just partner with a dealership and you're not there every day, meaning you don't have an agent on site, out of sight, out of mind, right? I don't. I, 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 well, I was about to say this. I think you should look for joint venture partnerships the legal way with your DOI and RESPA and all that. By the way, if you do it in real estate, you can like get in a bunch of trouble with RESPA if you do it the wrong way. So you need to meet with a real estate attorney. But um, I think... Uh, and I'm not talking about kickbacks. I'm talking about a real on-paper partnership. I'll say this to say I don't like the car dealership thing. Why? Because I think that you're going to run into people who are just buying insurance to get the car and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think you're going to, I just, I'm not an auto insurance. Like, I don't like, if we, the only reason we write auto insurance is because we write home insurance and there's some people that want us to have it together. I don't like the car dealership thing. I wouldn't necessarily say put somebody in the office, but you've the, and the other problem with the auto insurance game is you got to be available on Saturdays and Sundays, right? That's the other thing, you know, and if you don't want to write non-standard, don't do the auto thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I would look more for mortgage brokerages, title companies, real estate agencies, folks like that. Now here's the other problem. Here's the other problem. I reached out to a friend of mine, who was very familiar with this particular mortgage brokerage as a national player. And I said, Hey, does such and such have an insurance division? And he said, yeah, they do. And it's horrible. All the agents hate it. So that's the other problem is these agents, all they care about is selling the house, closing the loan and getting to the title company, right? That's all they care about. So if you get to the point to where you screw a couple things up, then all of a sudden they've written you off in their head, which is almost worse than you have in the highest rates of anybody in your state. 
right. because they're not, they're going to use their people. You know what I'm saying? That's the other issue that has to be tackled here. So anyway, see my, my other problem with embedded insurance, let's say that Ford and GM come out with a product that, which I think they're headed in this direction. You can at the purchase of that vehicle, roll the insurance up into the loan payment every month. So basically you're not having to think about insurance. Well, if Scott and Kim Howell have currently have their home and auto insurance, let's just say it's with state farm. Okay. And I go to the dealership and they embed my insurance on my, my new car. And I like the, the price. And I like the fact that I'm not having to screw around with insurance anymore. It just, just rolled up into my rate. And then I say, oh, well, by the way, my wife's got a car. She's got a 2018 uh, Buick such and such, whatever it is. I want to put it with y'all too. Well, guess what happens to your state farm homeowner's insurance? Right. You're about to get at some point a letter in the mail that says you've canceled your auto policies with us. So now your state farm homeowner's premium is going up by 10 or 15%, whatever Mm -hmm. the number is. I don't know what the number is. So how do they get around that? Because that's going to be something that the consumers don't think about. We can take it down one step further than that. As far as going backwards on this, you've got two cars with state farm and your home, you go trade one of those vehicles in and they've got embedded insurance with GMC. That's going to just be part of your monthly payment. You don't ever have to do anything. Well, you just lost your multi-car discount on that other vehicle, right? Because now you're down to one car that has insurance with uh, State Farm. The other, the other problem with doing it and not having like a legitimate service center that can handle that is, you know, Ricky buys a home from this real estate company, and then he buys the insurance from them, and then there's a problem, and he's pissed at that agent. He's calling that agent, and you're like, talk to the service people. Service people can't, you know what I mean. Uh, they won't give me an ant. They won't help me solve the problem. You know what I mean? So that's why I think if some of you guys are listening to this and and probably nobody that's not an insurance is listening to this, but maybe somebody's looking at including an insurance arm of their company is listening to this. That's another argument to bring someone in who is experienced in, in actually running an insurance agency. So, yeah, I mean, the the thing is, it's like insurance is boring until you get in it. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and everybody's like, oh, we'll do, we'll, we'll hire a bunch of VAs and we'll do a service center overseas and we'll have a knowledge base and they'll have the exact questions. That, but when you get into, uh, hey, my carrier has done this inspection and because of the house is, they say it's 64% brick, they're making me change it to frame. You, Mr. Agent, need to figure out this problem for me. And they're like, oh, sorry, it is what it is, but your rate's going up $500 when in fact you could get an agent in there to advocate for you with that carrier and say, no, this is, you know, based on the square footage, this is definitely more than 60. I have one carrier that's like, it's got to be 67% brick or more for it to it's 68% brick or whatever, right? Having that advocate there with underwriting. It's like somebody asked me recently on Twitter, it was a, it was a, a carrier rep some of these carriers, the rep is also the underwriter. And that was the case with this one. And like Cincinnati does it that way. Um, and I think a few more carriers do it that way. And they were like, why don't you this like this that? all rolls back to what I violently disagreed with Gary Vaynerchuk on, on our podcast. Yeah. He sits there and looks at me and talks about letting people buy the way they want to buy. That is fine when I'm buying a t-shirt or oven mitt or webcam on Amazon. I don't know in a lot of cases, uh, most cases, if the insurance purchase isn't too complicated to just dumb this thing down into, hey, we're just going to roll your insurance up into your monthly car payment and, uh, and you're done. You don't have to think about insurance again. Bah, wrong answer. Yeah. I think there's certain products you can do it with and certain products you can't. And certain situations. Yeah. I think you might more, be able to do that with a 27 year old that lives yeah. in one bedroom you're, apartment and, and has one car. And you're talking about putting it in the process, never a human, never looking at it. And it ah. just being, yeah, I think 
as someone who runs a lot of ads and some of our carriers allow us to go direct to consumer and run ads where they can purchase their own insurance. I've run an ad in that regard for almost every major insurance product that we sell. I think people buying car insurance online is here to stay. I think home insurance is a little ways away. I mean, I think people are doing it, but as far as people doing it at scale, you know, I don't think people are as, as comfortable insuring their home online than as they are their car. Cause you're talking about a $300,000 investment versus a $15,000 uh, not an investment. I think, you know, things like cyber insurance, um, bonds, you know, we're running, I think we mentioned last, I'm running a, some direct to consumer ads on Google with bonds, super simple product. Here it is. Here's how much it is. Boom, done. Um, so I think it just depends on the product too, for sure. But, you know, back when I was saying with the underwriter is, you know, this guy was ar- not arguing with me, but like pushing me a little bit on the subject of why don't you like for your carrier rep to also be your underwriter? And I said, because, I need the carrier rep to advocate for me and I need the underwriter to be over here saying we can't write this. When the two are one in the same, you got to have the, ba- it's like Republican or Democrat. You got to have the balance of those two. You know what I'm saying? I like having that because underwriting does stupid things. It's a sales prevention department in a lot of cases, right? So having that rep that I can go to and say, hey, underwriting is doing this incredibly stupid thing. I need you to help me out. And they may agree with, with underwriting. That's fine. But to have that person that's an advocate and when the two are one in the same, a lot of times you don't have that advocate. Um, we had a carrier rep one time that we called after we had been appointed with the carrier a couple of days and said, Hey, can you help us with this? And he said, don't call me for that anymore. Don't call me for just calling. And I'm like, well, what the flip do I need you for? Yeah. You know, coincidentally, we don't put a bunch of business with that carrier anymore. So I've, I've never, I've never seen a marketing rep that could override underwriting. Had, had one had, had one times. this week, had a big case, yeah. big case. And we called the, the marketing rep for a national, you know, blue blood carrier. And, and before we even called him, I knew what the answer was going to be. But I personally have never had one that could override or unless it's just something that's so egregious, so mm-hmm. just crazy, you know, but just in normal, normal, come everyday come down here on the coast. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and I don't, I don't exactly. think there's a carrier rep out there that has the the authority to override, but they might can approach because the underwriter's looking at you like this guy's trying to get something passed through that he shouldn't. Like that's the way they approach things. Sure. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Yeah. I posted on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Hey, I would love for somebody to bring to me a very agent friendly underwriter that is that that would be awesome to have on the podcast and also doesn't have the personality of a potato and like nobody was nobody like i think a couple people sent a couple people to me and i was like yeah no given the carrier that may not be the right situation anyway so you know we had one recently where underwriting was declining a risk because there was a broken down vehicle in the front yard okay there was no mention in the reports like the you would think okay maybe the inspector said and typed yeah. up in the report there's a broken down vehicle in the front yard there was none of that we said, what are you going by? There was a picture. So imagine a screen. There was a picture. And in the corner of the screen, you could see the tippity tip tip top corner of a rusted vehicle. That's what they were going off of. Is it like a Google image that'd been there for five no. years? No, no, no. It was a picture the inspector took. Oh. But there's just in the little bitty corner. And we got the rep involved. Say, hey, guys, this is stupid as hell. We don't eat. And they're like, we don't even have. We don't even have a, a rule that says you can't have like this. Un, the underwriter just, you know, was mad because of the results of the bachelor the night before and said, you know what? I'm declining this today. You know, I, I don't right. know what it was. Right. So you, we've run into stuff like that. But anyway, we got to wrap this up. Hey, before we go, guys, listen to me. I'm wearing Aaron Roberts out. I, I'm wearing Aaron Robertson's uh, camouflage hat today on the podcast. You guys that are listeners of the insurance guys podcast i'm a hat guy i got thousands of hats not thousands hundreds if you will send me a hat from your agency richardson 112 richardson 115 preferably i will wear it on the podcast i will take a picture in it and i will send that to you with me on the podcast wearing your hat i love hats i'm a hat guy 853 pine ridge road Union Grove, Alabama, 35175. You can also show up at my house with my million-dollar check from the the work I've put in helping you guys. I would not be opposed to that as well. 
we'll take pictures of the mini horses while you're there. And if you ever need to sue Scott, that's the address you send the that's the, the letter. Address. Just send it on to me, guys, and I'll forward it to my attorneys. Come on over. I wouldn't come by the house right now, though, because my white mini horse might uh, <laughs> might do something that you don't want him to hey, do. I so. have never met anyone in my life who is a legitimate, stand-up, not-shady person that was as well-counseled as you are. <laughs> Scott Howell has counsel. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Lots, lots, lots of them. Lots of them. Like, you would think kids. he's in the mafia. It, it's like, you know how, like, <laughs> I don't know if anybody watches the show Blacklist, but Raymond Reddington has like his attorney guy that looks like every like it's like somebody Google imaged what does an attorney look like, and that's the actor right. they picked. It's like he has his attorney that's like handles all like you are well counseled, sir. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all listening today. It means a lot to me, and it means a lot to Bradley. Hey, last thing I'm gonna tell you, I had somebody reach out to me by email wanting some hiring documents that I use in my agency. And I cannot, for the life of me, find that email. And I don't remember. I want to say it was an agent out of Louisiana. If you will reach out to me again, I promise I will not lose uh, that email. I don't know if I deleted it. I don't know where it went. I cannot find who it was to send them what they're looking for. Please reach out to me again via email, scott at iprotectinsurance.com, and I'll send you what you want. So, Bradley, thank you so much for being on today. As I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world and build relationships. Think outside the box. Sell the shit out of insurance. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, and for your parents that are struggling out there today. Go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, Scott. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.